Welcome back to another episode of T T N. Yes, there we go. There we go. Look at that energy. Look at that energy. You can never tell Jean that Denise was voted out last night. Imagine that. No, I mean it happened a few months ago, but she's uh, pretty happy for a person who just got voted out. Yeah, I feel like I've been having to console everybody else. That's what I this this day I've been having to console people and be like, it's okay, it's all right. You know, that's that's what happened. To be fair, though, absolutely, how everyone got voted off. I think yours is the one story where I'll be like, yeah, I would have been okay to go out like that. Personally speaking, yeah, (laughs) yeah, I I think I was gifted a really great uh, just edit throughout the day, the game, and my Mm. exit episode was no different so i'm just so grateful that my story was told in such a wonderful way i was annoyed i was angry <laughs> sorry John. I have feelings. no i have feelings really you know you. the previous season I, I got upset because it felt like there were so many opportunities to take down rob and this episode i was like "Ooh, this top trio they going down tonight it's happening and i was just like Wait, what? What? I know. I was like, oh, oh, you just missed the train, everybody. I know. And I was there. Not that I would be upset if Tyson or Kieran won, but, oh. Totally. Totally, John. Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, I I was getting a message from my friend as well saying exactly the same thing. It's like, oh, no, Anessu, why? Anessu is literally the whole day. I think from yesterday to today, he's still been sending me messages. So I said, you know, I'll tell you. Personally, his name is Zander, and he's also in the Jean camp of being super, super bleak. So, just Aww. so you know that. Right. Well, but shout before... out to Zander. Yeah. <laughs> um, be- before we move on, we've always started the show off with an icebreaker. And the question today is we know we've got Dr. Yogi in the house. So, and uh, Jean, you're more than welcome to answer this question too. It is you're in a yoga class, and you've got to let one rip. Okay, and you, you let it rip and the whole class can hear you doing that. That's the no, option number one. And number two is you really need to go to the bathroom and uh, you, you let a little bit of weed out and it runs down your leg. Which, which one would you rather find yourself in? Which situation? Definitely fart in a yoga class. I've done that before. And I've got a beautiful <laughs> voice where I'm just like, just release. If you let go some air. It's okay. Surrender. That's part of the process. Release <laughs> those toxins from your body. So that is happening. Let it go. Let it go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The cold doesn't Definitely bother her happens. anyway. Yeah, all the warm, you know, all the, warm, the stream yeah. of yellow. <laughs> <laughs> mm. uh, and you, Jean, which one would you choose? So it depends on my age. How old am I? Am I like 90? Because then it can be forgiven. But um, no, I'd also have to go with a bit of gas. Nobody needs a wet yoga mat. It's slippery. Uh, accidents happen, but not because of that. Shouldn't happen. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I, I agree with you guys. I think those are fair answers. Fair answers. I don't know if our audience want to comment on that. Um, you're more than welcome to let us know in your comments. Let us know what you're thinking about that. But it is time now. Anessa, it's all about you. This is your show right now today. John, feel free to ask any questions you want. 
And there's so you're out of the game. You've already started off saying, you know, you're happy with the edit that you've got. Looking back at it, the first thing, talking about Zonda, the first thing he said, and why he was screaming at the TV so much was because he was like, wait, she had the tribal council pass and she didn't use it. Like, is that yep. one thing that's been running through your mind constantly? Actually, no. Uh, you know, I, I um, tended to play quite a considered game. So a lot of my decisions had a lot of thought, days of thought, actually, behind them, meditation, all sorts of things behind them. And so I had really played out the different eventualities of what would have happened if I had played my tribal council pass. Um, and the, the difficult thing with the tribal council pass, which I think has been called, what is it, safety without power before? Is that right? In yep. other scenes of Slyber. Yep. Um, and is that you can save yourself, but then you lose your biggest power in the game, which is your vote. And especially yeah. because my game was about being a swing vote, being a double agent, that's where, you know, I could really leave my mark. It made it really difficult to play that advantage and to figure out what the right way or when the right time was to play my tribal council pass. So I considered the option of playing it at this last tribal council to save myself. But I really wanted to save it for the next one because I felt like if I had sent myself back to camp, Nicole probably would have gone home. She probably would have thought that I betrayed her trust. So that would have been a likely loss of a jury vote. Anela would have felt like I had thrown him under the bus. And I think we would have been left with a scenario where it was Anela with the three-headed snake, as I like to call it, of Tyson, mm. Kieran, and Wada. And then me, Santini, and Chappies in the minority um, without a tribal council pass to change the numbers around in the next vote. So it was all of that stuff that was running through my mind that made me decide, uh, oh, along with the fact that I thought that I had the numbers, uh, that made me decide mm. not to play it in the end. Yeah, yeah. John, yeah, you want to touch, touch on that? You know what? Um, it's so interesting because people think that when you get to tribal council that, you know, um, this what we see on TV happens. But tribal council is long. It's like that one was probably, I would guess, an hour and a half to two hours long. And things juggle so often in tribal council that you constantly, like, second guessing yourself and and you pick up in little words what people are saying and then they're like this is about me come <laughs> no, be, be about me and the one thing i just wondered to myself and as you and it happens even when you're safe you're like am i really safe was there like a lot of people go home with advantages in their pocket going i knew i should have played it was there a moment that you thought to yourself i've got it mm, there's a voice there's a voice here saying do something make a play you know, I think the, the one thing that I had running through my mind was not so much playing my tribal council class, but bluffing it. I really mm. think that if I had bluffed my tribal council pass to Anela and told him about it before tribal um, and mentioned maybe not the full details of what the advantage was, but had mm. told him that that was something that would have also been on his side of the camp, I mm. think that that could have played in my favor. And I actually remember... Um, one of the things that was running through my mind to do in that final tribal was before Nico asked us to go and vote to reveal my tribal council pass and to, to kind of lie about it. I don't know how this would have gone down, but indulge <laughs> me. Um, I thought that I would say, hey, guys, listen, I have a tribal council pass. This allows me to see the first uh, half of the votes and then to decide whether I want to go home 
uh, to back to camp or not. So I kind of thought about the concept of bluffing and, and kind mm. of reframing the advantage in order to scare people off. And I think that that could have been an interesting gameplay. You know, it wouldn't have cost me anything. And, and if yeah. it had paid off, it would have been a big move. So that's the one thing that I wondered. Uh, what If I had done that and, and called people's bluff, what would have happened? And, and to be fair, I think you've got better acting skills than what um, Tyson said of Renee. So I would have, I would have favored, uh, I would have thought you could have pulled yeah. something like that off. Um, we do have a really good question here from uh, Joseph saying, you know, Anessa, did you recognize Kieran as well? Saying that Kieran, you know, he recognized you from university days. Yeah, I actually... You know, when you have that moment where someone picks you out in a crowd and they're like, oh, Anesu, and you're like, who is this person again? <laughs> I had that <laughs> moment with Kieran. How, how do you I pronounce your name like, again, Kieran? Kieran? What is your name again? Like, so um, I, def- I recognized him. Like, I felt like he was familiar, but I, and I could place him from UCT, but I didn't remember what he was studying at the time. And I had no idea what sort of work he was doing. And so I think he kind of had a bit more of an advantage in knowing me in that scenario because he knew that I was a doctor. He knew what I had studied. Mm. And that gave him a little bit of some insight into how I could be a threat in the game. I'm pretty sure that the IQ of this season is like off the charts and it's a great ad for UCT. Yeah, fair enough. And also, I'm I'm thinking, I'm looking back at Kieran going, how did you guys not like mingle in the same social circles? Because there's that moment at Tribal Council, beautifully edited, where you know, you're talking and you know, the conversations happening directly at each other, but you, you're completely pointing another and other moment. But Kieran does it, he says exactly what we're all thinking, where he's going, you know, she's the mirror image of me in this in this game, and she's playing a hell of a game. So I've got to make sure I get her out. And I've put you here as the Star Wars character, I think her name is Ray. You know, she's Yay, got that relationship awesome. with, with, with Kylo Ren. And I think like that was the relationship between you and Kieran. And I, I found that fascinating in terms of how you went. So I don't know how you guys weren't friends at university. But um, we, we've got another question here saying, Anesu, tell us what you said to Santuani. Yeah. So what is the context of that conversation? Do they, do they mean in terms of trying to convince her uh, in terms of the vote? I think I'll answer it in terms of that, do you think? I, I don't know. I don't know. You could ask whatever yeah. you told her. I mean, you could, okay. it could okay. be like while okay. you were just chilling and looking at the stars. Right? I mean, I think that <laughs> might be interesting too. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So Santini and I had a great relationship in the game. You know, um, I, I tend to, to gravitate towards the underdog or the outcast a lot. I think that, mm. that you see that a lot in my personal life. I'm always rooting for people who've been disempowered in some way. Um, and so quite early on in the game, in Vuna, I could tell that Santini wasn't really feeling like she'd been seen. And so we did have a couple of nice chats there. You know, we spoke about her being queer. Um, I, I spoke about the work that we do in terms of supporting the queer community at the nest. And so that seed was definitely planted. And then we didn't see each other almost for the rest of the pre-merge game. And we, we only joined each other at post-merge. Um, and what was quite surprising was, of course, you know, she kind of revealed my double agent status to Nicole. Uh, but to give you context to that, she actually came back to me after that conversation when we were talking with Chappies about us forming the Destiny 3. And she actually told me that she had let it slip to some of the Zambas that I might be playing a double agent game. Hmm. So that that paid that that helped gain a lot of respect mm. um, for me from Santini. And I, I think I also had a different perspective of her in the game where 
Um, I think you'll see a lot of players kind of felt like she was chaotic. There was a comment that she needed to be babysat. Um, I thought it was crazy that she wasn't picked for that reward challenge in the puzzle because I knew that she mm. was great at puzzles. But it was good for me because it was added incentive for her to turn on the alliance. Um, yes. But my view of Santini was that she was purposefully putting across this image of somebody who was a loose cannon, who was playing with her emotions, who mm. didn't have any strategy. And I felt like she was putting that across because she wanted people to underestimate her. And, uh, you know, I my experience of Santini was behind the scenes where we were making decisions about moves and things to make. And in those scenarios, she was very sure. She was very sure about what she wanted to do to suit her individual game. She had a lot of clarity. A lot of her decisions weren't actually emotional. And so, um, you know, you'll see with, with and I think it's reflected in, in uh, Operation Destiny and that vote where... Yeah. My my. Did you come um, up with a name for that, by the way? Just out of I curiosity. Did. It's such a I Jedi did. moment. It's, she's a she's a Jedi. She's just feeling the force. So maybe that's where it went wrong mm. for you. Was you listened to the dark side? Maybe I too late did. or too soon? I'm not sure. I'm mm. not sure. I was. I was John, should she have flipped on them earlier? Is this is this maybe the criticism for in, in the one part in the flaw in a game? You know, I could understand why she didn't. Um, from my perspective, with Operation Destiny. I had a good relationship with Amy. I was building it with Rainier. And so even if the Zamba OGs um, had come together to form a close-knit four with Nicole mm. and Anela, I still felt like I was in good standing with them. Whereas Santoni, I think, was in a different position. And the same with Chappies, where I think mm. if those four had formed a tight-knit group, she might have been the next person to be voted out. And she expressed mm. those concerns to both me and Chappies. Um, in saying that that's what she was worried about with Operation Destiny. And, and, you know, I find that the best way to navigate an alliance with people is for everyone to feel like the alliance benefits them in some way. Otherwise, you end up having people turning on their alliance. So I wanted Santini to feel like I valued her opinion, that mm. I valued her making moves for her own individual game. And that's essentially why you'll see Operation Destiny didn't end up going forward. But I knew that I needed Santini as a number later on. And so mm. choosing to go with my own individual gameplay wouldn't really have, have been a win for me in the long run. Yeah, that's, that's good. I mean, John, you can just jump in when you, when you want to. Yeah? <laughs> yeah, it's so interesting because that um, the way that Anesu approaches people and it's something that becomes very difficult the more comfortable you get in the game. So so you can see it happening now with, with Tyson and Kieran, the language that they use, the tone that they use. They they almost it's like they're the popular girls at school now. And they they the way that they speak to people has that tone and it happens. It happened to me. I had the same conversation with Tom where I was like, no, no, you fine for the next couple votes. And oh what? sorry when, John, so John, when, John, sorry before you continue guys, I completely downplayed who we have on here today we've got first yeah, princess also... up of survivor yeah i mean anessa you're amazing too but i mean she came second in her season let's be we're forgetting this fact yeah sorry i forgot and... that point yeah Anissa. but yeah, it's so interesting because when you when you're in it you're only seeing one portion of what's happening when you're watching it at home you're just like what is happening like you you the tones that you use your the way you speak to people it's cringy man because the more comfortable you get the more you sort of 
like want to play this boss character and now you're in charge. And that tone, I thought that Inesu had the most welcoming and like leveling tone and the way she brought people in. I think, was it Kieran or Tyson Kieran? or somebody was talking was about Kieran? that in the episode and how comfortable she is at bringing people from different backgrounds together. And I think with Santoni, that is actually the main key how do you talk to her when do you talk to her how often do you talk to her? your tone and the moment you put her down as somebody below you somebody who's other somebody who needs to be babysit you have got a problem on your hands what i find interesting is that she didn't in the previous episode when she was shown clearly that she was on the bottom that she and chappies didn't make I don't know. There was something to be done in this episode and the previous episode where I thought that Santony being pissed off enough to make the move didn't actually pan out. And, and it surprised me because of how important that is to her being taken seriously, spoken to as an adult individual with agency. And I think Anesu has the golden touch when it comes to that. And somebody's asking about um, the social game and that is so important. I had a social game, but there comes a point where I forgot for a second where I was and who I was talking to and why I needed them and how do I speak to them when I need something. It's it's fascinating, the whole game. But when you're in it, you're only seeing one, what are we, seven people in the game at the moment, eight people. You're only seeing like one portion of it. When you're at home, you sit and you go, wow, okay. Yeah. I was clueless. Yeah. I didn't know what was happening. And yeah, and I mean, to that point, I think that's why week in, week out, we're sitting here on TNO and the viewers watching, we're saying, you know what, Inesu's got what it takes to go to the end. Because right now, for yeah. some reason, she's under the radar. She's the submarine. Mm -hmm. She's got, she's packing nuclears there, but she's completely mm -hmm. under the radar, only putting the scope because she's got that, that nature to her where she can draw people in. And it was only a matter of time, though, Inesu. I mean, this, I think it got to a point where it was you revealing the rest of the submarine, technically speaking, that that was your mm -hmm. downfall. But at the same time, was there any other time in the point of game that you could do it? Like this was, you know, if it goes your way, geez, you keep powering forward and, you know, possibly you land up winning the game. Now you made the decision. And unfortunately it was the swing voters like a Santoni who went with you in the end because of what you were able to do, like Jean mm -hmm. saying, giving the reassurance. But then, you know, the other two who are now yeah. were on the bottom were left to make the power decision. And that's just crazy how this yeah. game works. Yeah, totally, Claudio. I mean, it, it's one of those crazy things where there's that decision of when you start, to, when do you put your cards on the table, um, you know, mm -hmm. post merge. And I really feel like if you leave it too late to final five or, you know, it, it's too late then. I'm the type of person where if I was to vote for somebody at the end, I'd want to see that they were playing consistently for as long as is possible. Mm -hmm. So I really wanted to make a big move. And yeah, unfortunately, it meant you know, kind of slithering out of the shadows. I, I loved how Tyson called me a snake with, in the vote reveal. Um, and I had been a snake from day one, man. Yeah. I, was, I was snaking a lot of people. And I think for it to be only be seen later on when I wanted it to be revealed was mm. a good thing. But yeah, yeah. obviously I, I took a risk. I, I gambled and sometimes you win, sometimes you don't. 100%. Yeah. That's true. Um, Joseph's saying, you know, you're a master communicator and we, we've just touched on your social game. For other future players that are playing out there, your secret of playing this social game, and like, I mean, John says, when you're out there, it's pretty tough. 
But what is what is the thing that sets you apart when you are doing that? When your your goal is to communicate with these people and you know resonate with different cultures and different backgrounds. I think first and foremost, it's it's an exchange. So you know, mm-hmm. in in our in our yoga space, we always talk about an exchange of energy where you can have an exchange where someone pays you money in order to come to your yoga class. Or we've had scenarios where people who can't afford yoga come and help us out in the store. And what that does when there's an equal exchange is it makes both parties feel like they're empowered. It makes both parties feel like they're valued. And it kind of takes out that that strange power play that you often start to see in a lot of alliances and a lot of duos Mm. or trios in the game of Survivor. So I think actually outside of the game as well, in terms of persuading people or negotiating with people, if you make it seem like your plan is benefiting the other as much as it's benefiting yourself, it's much more likely to go ahead than if people think that, oh, you're just trying to get what you can out of me in order to benefit yourself. It's also very interesting to me that this season we have, and I spoke to LaRue about it, this season, more than a lot of other seasons, we have showmen. So people who love the sound of their own voice, they put on great character. Like, you you cannot make up how great Chappies is in a confessional. You can't. It's, it's like, I'm like, did he write down what he was going to say? It's just, it's magnetic. But it's interesting to me, the people who are doing well are the ones who speak but stop and listen. And that yes. for me is something when I came out the game, I was like, Yo, you needed to stop talking and listen. And when actually in the game, um, in my game, when I got quiet in the game, I was able to he- listen better. Um, at first I was, yeah, feminist people left, right and center. And then when I, when I quieted myself and I had to like go internal because every time I spoke, I was causing chaos and that's when actually I was able to start quietly doing moves. And it was difficult at the end because you have to balance doing it pr- loud and proud so that people can mm. see it and quietly. And that is a really interesting balance. And I think Onesio had it incredibly well done. And I think Kieran as well. Tyson is more of this, the quiet one. He's the one who's just there scheming. But Kieran has an ability to speak and listen. And I, that. Listening is so important in this game. Hmm. It's so funny you say that, John, because, you know, um, I I remember from your season, you speaking out when you felt like injustices Mm. were happening. And I actually took a lot of notes from your game with my veganism, right? Where I I was Mm. kind of trying to figure out, you know, how far do you want to push your own ideals? This idea of not eating meat, is that going to distance you from people? And you're totally right. I could see in your game that moment where it's not that your personal views take a backseat, but you take the time to listen to the other view, the other perspective. Mm. And that mm. really does help in terms of building your, your, your social gameplay and getting people on your side. And, and my problem as well is that I get... I get like competitive when somebody's not listening to my point of view. Now I've listened to you, but you weren't listening to me. And I had yeah. a problem, big problem with Martinez. And I just couldn't, I couldn't get through for him to take in what I was saying. So what he was saying was outrageous. And I was like, where do you go? <laughs> but, but he was not returning. And that's when I became combative. And eventually I had to just be like, 
okay, what you're spewing is complete and utter rubbish. It's yeah. not based on fact. I'm a journalist. So when somebody comes with nonsense they read on Facebook around the fire, I'm just like... <laughs> so it is, it's a fine balance. But what I appreciate in Survivor South Africa is the ability to cast these people to push the buttons of the other people yeah. on your tribe. When I walked onto the beach and I had a pastor and I had Martinez, I was like, there was a moment in my casting where they asked me a question. They were like, how do you feel about religion? And I walked onto the beach and I had these two like staunch religious oaks. And I was like, ah, I see what you did there. <laughs> totally. I mean, so John, interesting. I feel like my, my time in Vuna was like a crash course into Afrikaans culture. Like, oh, I, I can imagine so much Afrikaans. You know, there was mm. a lot of a lot of praying and things as well. But I think it was I, I was so in the minority that you you can't in that situation you're kind of forced to listen, as you said. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, my my Martinez, I, I'm definitely not comparing the two of them. But you mm. know, in terms of the player that that kind of pushed my buttons, that was Marisha, where we mm. have oh, very that. different backgrounds, very very different I believe backgrounds, so, yeah. and different political views. But the incredible thing is because we didn't have to turn on each other because we kept on winning immunities, I actually got to know her on a deeper level, learn mm. about her children, how she sees herself as a wife and as a mother. And yeah. I think having the benefit of us not needing to, to cannibalize essentially the Vuna tribe when we were winning immunities kind of helped to, to, to kind of repair our relationship somewhat in the game. Yeah, and I, I think what's interesting about all of this is these sort of constructs in terms of the receiving and giving, receiving and giving. But when you are in the minority, and I suppose this is also mm. less like in larger sense to life, when you are in the minority, and unfortunately, especially if you want to go a bit further, you have to kind of accept a certain thing in order to make the influence. Because had you lost those challenges, you probably would have been turned on because of the different views and perspectives. And you wouldn't have had the time to mend the relationship or even develop a certain relationship. And I find it interesting that, John, you were saying, you know, Martinez, it was quite combative. And when he wasn't able to listen, that's when you decided to speak up because you couldn't break through to him. And that is an incredibly frustrating thing. But from Anesu, you kind of experienced it in a complete different way with Tyson. In terms of Tyson wasn't receptive at all. Mm. He decided he was only playing with Kieran and he wasn't going to give you any information. There was no give and take. And he had made the decision. So for you, what do you do as a player in that sort of situation where you are someone who's willing to exchange things like you say, but Jay, you've got someone giving you zero, nothing, nada. Mm. Yeah, you cut your losses and you try to get that person out. <laughs> and that's <laughs> where you flip. Yeah, that was the I moment. Flipped. Yeah, it was the cold shoulder. I remember talking about it intensely in the episode after that one because that was the moment you could see, hold on, you know, I'm kind of important to you, but... I see where the hierarchy is now and I'm definitely on the bottom. And I, I, that you could see the moments it was beautifully edited and you came back to camp and you were like, hmm, mm. this, mm. I'm getting the cold yeah. shoulder. And that was a beautiful moment where you could see that, okay, now the plan started to form. Totally. And also because I was playing a double agent, the other thing, you know, I think if it was just that situation, I might have tried again with Tyson and tried to repair the bond. Mm. But having received the intel that there had been an advantage at that reward yep. and they had purposefully kept that information from me and told Kieran 
really reinforce the fact that this is a losing yeah. battle. I can try as much as I, I want to, to repair the bonds here, but that essentially, that relationship has been lost. And, and that's when I really started to mobilize in terms of turning on the alliance. Um, and yes, we've got a question here from Mesa Botse saying, you know, you said you admire Russell Hans's game, which is very interesting considering that you're, you're someone that goes to the flow and here you're saying you like a person who plays like a sort of volcanic game. Um, we're looking, she says, you know, you played more game of poverty with the flirting element. Would you consider yourself a flirt on the season? Were you the flirt? Oh, I think the question says without the flirt element. Uh, <laughs> just <laughs> Okay, you may be right. You may be right. Without yeah. the flirty element. But was there any flirting? Why does I ask the question? I mean, we didn't see behind the scenes. Is that zero, zero flirting? Oh, no? No. Gross. My, <laughs> no, my flirting game is, is the worst. You know, I've been in a, in a committed relationship for like eight years. So when I was in a relationship, it was before the apps, before Tinder. So when I hear my single friends talking about the dating scene, I'm like, count no. me out. I'm used to the old school, you know, walking up the university steps and someone asks to, you know, hold your, your books and that's kind of where things things spark. So my flirting game is zero. Imagine, if this was eight a, years if this ago. Was a dating show, it, it, <laughs> I definitely wouldn't have survived. Eight years but Claudia, ago, please started, tell yeah. me how yes. interested you would be on somebody who has not had a toothbrush, not had a brush, a bar of soap, anything clean to wear, to put deodorants on, for I think you in 29 days, yeah, 28. Yeah, 28. Tell days. me that you're keen on a woman who smells like the bottom of a uh, shoe at this point. John, if she gets me further into the game, I will be laughing anything. Trust me, again. there's just everybody's so fascinated with this idea of like romance on the beach. Boston Robin Amber did it. I don't know how because people how. are nasty. The moment on the highest of levels. The loved ones challenge on my season, my best friend walked up to me. She didn't say, oh, my God, it's amazing to see you. The words out of her mouth was, oh, my God, you stink. That was it. <laughs> I like that. It's not a I like that question. And if, on the island, whether you, I mean, excluding yourself, you know, it's funny, your, your, your armpits are probably the smelliest thing on the island. But who was the smelliest person on the island while you, while you were there? It's such a weird thing to say, but I genuinely felt like we all smell like roses. You like, can't I, smell. I That's the problem. And the problem is the camera you. Crew. The camera. That so it's so fascinating to up. me. You can't. You can't smell yourself, and you can't smell others. But yeah. the crew can. And I, I remember they said something along the lines of they're not even allowed to wear strong su smelling soap and stuff because our senses are so heightened, but now we're like normalized in the bloody jungle. And you're, it's so fascinating that you don't smell each other or, or yourself. But as soon as something changes, I once had a whiff of somebody, Ooh. one of the producers who had um, beautiful shampoo smell. And I was like, did you know what was also like crazy yeah, for me? The, the, it was also crazy to me that I, I noticed my smell once I was in a clean environment as well. So, you know, mm. when you do your then and nows and, and you see yourself in the mirror, all mm. of a sudden I could smell the fire on me. I was aware of how I smelled. It, it's almost like there's something about being in a cleaner environment or surrounded by yeah. clean people 
that then makes it obvious that it's very strange you've let yourself go Mm. well on this topic i feel like it's a fair subject and please tell me if this is too personal but for two ladies playing the game you have other Mm. like female common question yes very common female the female things like how do they how does survivor cater for that if that makes sense that Um, that time Can I just say, this is one of the reasons I say that Survivor for a woman is way harder than Survivor for a man. It's it's unquestionably something that is an issue. Even if you're on the pill or you have some kind of contraception that stops your period, you still go through the hormonal roller coaster. So at some point, you just, like, cry (laughs) for no reason. It's, it's bananas. Yeah, 100%. You know, I'm, I'm also all about being natural and, you know, allowing my body to do what it is she needs to do. So I knew that there was an option that I could have stopped my period, you know, for the duration mm. that I was on the show. But I purposefully chose to. Um, and, yeah, you're right, John. It's, it's a whole other thing that you need to contend with. You're worried about mm. messing yourself and, and, and that showing up on camera. It's just an added concern and i think that's why a lot of a lot of female castaways will just inherently back other female castaways because you know mm. that there's just an added burden that you need to deal with being a woman just a quick story claudia my um my the first day on the island so they were in um quarantine for a lot longer than we were i was in a hotel yeah. for 7 days and i knew that my cycle was about to hit And um, I had gone to a clinic to ask the sister if I could get the injection. So she says to me, okay, have you been on it before? And I was like, no. She asked me why I needed to go. And I couldn't really tell her. I was like, I'm going to be isolated somewhere. And um, she then said, well, if you've never been on it before, I'm not going to give it to you now because we don't know how you're going to react. So let's rather put you back on the pill and you can take it and time it and everything. And I was like, okay, cool. I swear to God, the, the first day, it's chaotic. You don't know what you're stepping into. You've never been on TV before. There's a lot of process that goes through the show. And you're so nervous. Your anxiety levels are through the roof. You're excited. You're nervous. You're, you're scared. You're Everything is going at once. And what happened with me is that day that I stepped onto the beach is the day I started my period. Oh, and whoa. so by the time, swear to God, by the time... We get to the beach. It's hours later. And I'm like, oh, okay, great. Good thing I wore maroon underwear. But um, I said to the producers, I was like, do you have any tampons with you? And they're like, oh, no, it's it's in your bag back at. So I went the whole day with just like free flowing. Um, Thankfully, everything was wet. And and that throws you immediately. And it's something that you're not prepared for. And it's so complicated. But it is a yeah. common a common uh, question that comes up. Totally, and your performance and challenges I find oh. um, is very much impacted if you're on your cycle, as well as like you said, your even your because of your energy. Decisions. Yeah, mm. your energy is low. Your strategic decisions, you know, your emotions are are heightened. You want to bite everyone's head off. So if someone, <laughs> yeah. I mean, if someone had, if Marisha, if I had been on my cycle when Marisha threw me under the bus about the chicken, mm. whoa, we would have 
had a whole other kind of scenario Game on the show. But over. such a great question, Claudia. Thanks for yeah. asking that. Well, well, to be fair, it's actually a question I get asked a lot. Everyone's like, hey, actually, I think it came from my brother-in-law, to be honest. He's like, hey, just ask this question. Because also they came across an article saying the risk of infection as well for ladies that aren't able, in your case, Jean, I mean, you've told the story. And I think there was a former castaway in the U.S. season that had an issue and the possible of infection in terms of the sort of scenario when you don't have the the tools to equip mm-hmm. yourself in such yeah. a scenario. And that's and, like you guys said, or like your lady said, that's an issue that, you know, that you have to contend with. I mean, yeah. don't. No, and, and the, a lot of people believe that Survivor is is fake in this way, that somehow they allow you to go to the bathroom, that you're allowed to, that, I mean, some people even believe to the point where they take you to a hotel afterwards. And I played with people who went onto the game with that view. And I was like, Boo-Boo, have you not been paying attention for the 20 years that this game is on? Like, if, if it was fake, my point is, if it were fake, and this game is American, right? So if it were fake, somebody would have written a whole book about it being fake. There's nothing. It's real. And to that point, it's so real that at that point, they're just like, oh, well, we can't really help Sorry. you. Sorry. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> it's hectic. It's very hectic. And these are the things that you will never be able to be prepared for. And a lot of people go into the game and it's it's the soft things that you didn't think. It's not necessarily um, the fact that you don't have food or the game is tough. It's these things that you were never ready for. And I went into therapy two years after my show and my therapist said, but it sounds a bit like you have PTSD. And that's exactly what it is. They, they liken it to going to war with people. And that's also why the relationships that you form in the game happen so quickly and they're so yeah. real. Um, yeah. it's, it's a weird dichotomy of different things happening at the same time that you were never ready for. Yeah. Totally. And, and on that mm. note, I mean, you spoke about the relationship with Marisha. Who is your best relationship out there? Going, walking away, going, I know this person now, based on this mm. experience, we're, we're tight we're for a long time. You know, I think I've, I have that with a lot of the players, but the relationship that's a step above the most is definitely with, with Chappies. You know, um, we, we shared... Uh, a lot of jokes, a lot of fun times on the island. And I, I kind of used to liken our relationship to um, your best friend in kindergarten, you know, where you, mm. you do all of the naughty things behind your teacher's back. And, you know, we're sipping on oysters, but, you know, making sure that, you know, we still take a few back to the tribe, but not too many. We also want to feast for ourselves. So that's definitely a relationship that, that I cherish during the game and that I think will definitely stand the test of time. And that's interesting that you mentioned the kindergarten sort of analogy, because if you're going back to the Australian season, Luke Toki does this thing where that's how he actually, he uses that as a strategic play in his game, where he goes, he's going to find a player, see something mischievous, get them to do it with him, and it's their little secret, and he establishes <laughs> that bond. So it's, it's interesting that you've said that. Um, before we move on to the, the next part of the, the show, one last question, Hilgart saying, did you consider yourself an underdog, in control, or, or in the middle, Anesu? Seeing as you were on Buddha, Hi, you'd Hilkhard. understand what that is. <laughs> yes, awesome, awesome to get a question from you, Hilkhard. I've seen you, you commenting on the show, so shout out to you. He's a regular. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think I definitely considered myself to be an underdog. Um, I think I was underestimated very early on in the tribal game. You'll see me sitting out of, of two challenges, mm. actually. Um, and one of them was that puzzle where the Dino just took the reins and was just going absolutely crazy and he beat us by a landslide 
that I think I would have done really well in, you know, because puzzles were my strength. And, and I think you mm. see that in some of the other um, tribal immunity challenges. Um, so I definitely considered myself to be an underdog. I felt like um, I was happy to play that role and people to underestimate me. But I knew that in order for me to win, I would have to redeem myself by showing that that wasn't true. And that's why I went so hard into the individual immunities from mm. the from the get-go post-merge, even though I knew that that might put a target on my back because it find, kind of felt like I needed to change the jury's perspective of me as a yeah. physical player and as a physical threat, especially in terms of that outplay part of, of the game. It's interesting. I just want to make a point. I bring this up all the time in my lives on a Sunday where people in the show, the men especially, really just assume the women are weak. And every challenge so far, all the men have dropped out. And besides Kieran and Tyson right at the end, you know, um, the women are the ones that are, are strong. And it's so fascinating to me when um, Chappie said, oh, Sean, you know, you're next. Renier, you're next. They always focus in on the men and every challenge the women are outperforming the men and so i my thing is that when you walk into the game and survive if you're a woman you're you're perceived as weaker they will make you sit out the challenges you look at um when paul didn't listen at all to anybody in his tribe that was a woman giving them advice on that block challenge it yeah. is if you're a woman, you're an underdog to begin with. Doesn't matter. Marisha's the only one who probably stepped up because they went, oh, yeah. look at her muscles. And if, yeah. if my season is anything to go on, you have you don't even have to have any muscle to anything. do anything on Survivor. You have to be able to play with people and be strategic mind. You have to be smart. You have to be able to mm. adapt. So this idea of strength in Survivor is completely warped. But... Survivor is a slice of reality. Yes. Yep. So that's what is perceived strength in the real world. It's it's a fascinating place to be. And when you go in as a strong woman like I did, haha, I'm here to slay, and and all of a sudden people are perceiving you <laughs> a different way than you perceive yourself. It's a really weird reality check and a reminder yeah. of the world that we come from. One, yeah, yeah 100% from that perspective. But I, I do want to say, if we know this, and it's currently played out in that way, in the early stages at least, in the current uh, Australian Survivor season, with, with like finding your weak players, but we do know that this is a common, throughout all 41 seasons or 40, whatever the seasons are of the US and the South African ones, this is a common theme that plays out. So as a lady who is going to play Survivor, how do you use this sort of scenario to your advantage as opposed to going, you know, I am the weak one and moving that, you know, to your advantage. And so how would you do that? Yeah, I think I think that's essentially what I try to do is is to go into the game where you use people underestimating you to your advantage to coast through. Um, not to the point where, you know, if you go to tribal, you get voted out for being, you know, the weakest link in mm. your tribe. But just to the point where you don't you aren't considered as a physical threat, especially the closer that you get to merge. That's where you really want people underestimating your physical ability. And so I think we see that from a lot of female players. I think it's, it's Haley from the current um, Survivor Australia who's set out yeah. a number of challenges. And I think she's doing that to make sure that people underestimate her. Um, so use that to your advantage. And I think it, it's so interesting to see people's perspectives of you and especially if their perspective is false, 
sometimes it, it works in your favor to go along with that false perspective mm. than to show people that they're wrong and to try to get them to see you in the way that you see yourself. Yeah. And I don't know if we want to talk about this, John and Nessa. You guys can, or you ladies can tell me yes or no, is that in sort of the comparison, if a lady makes the move, and I know uh, Chaos Cares was back, 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 back in the American mm. seasons where, you know, she was credited or she was called the snake, whereas a male doing the same thing gets called the strategic 100%. genius. So, 100%. and I think Nicole, to, to be fair, Nicole, despite all the, the moral sort of issues that happened last season, you know, Nicole walked away with a, a darker shade than her male counterpart in terms of the game that was played, despite the fact that it was similar. So what do you feel about that? Yeah, it's definitely real. I mean, it, it's, it's completely, you can't deny it. Um, for some reason, there's, and again, it goes down to these societal images that we have of women, where you have women in the workplace or in business environments who are, who are great at negotiating and they get called manipulative, or you have women who stand up for their opinions and they get called aggressive, you know, instead mm. of being called strategic or assertive. Um, and so, yeah, there's, there's a lot of strange wording that we have when it comes to women in power. And that's mainly because we haven't seen that enough. We haven't seen mm. a representation of female leadership or female strength to the point where it has lots of different iterations. And so for us, female strength is kind of this, there's one image that you have. Whereas if you look at male or masculine strengths, there's often different archetypes yeah. that can slot into that. And so I think the more and more we see uh, women playing the game of survivor or running businesses, negotiating big deals, the more we'll start to just subconsciously internalize different ways of viewing womanhood, viewing femininity and viewing strength. It is so complicated because... I sat at the end and my jury was stacked with women and none of them voted for me. And yeah. so it's so complicated that oftentimes the support, the lack of support is often coming from other women. And it's so complex because we're pitted against one another and we are, we are taught from a young age that we need to outperform people. Uh, other women specifically. And so when I got to the end, I assumed that I would have Katinka's vote, that I would have Annalisa's vote, and I just didn't. And the problem was I realized watching it on TV, and by the end of the game, I had nothing left. My emotions, my brain power, nothing was left for me to argue. So when Rob, I got there, Rob, my... Rob Queen, Rob Queen, I'm watching that show, and, and, and I'm I can, like, how the hell and is I can this see it now. Yeah. And I can, I, can, I can understand why they did it. Because when we went into the, the final tribal council, my standard was up here. I had to perform here. I had to tick more boxes than Tom did. And I was just not able to. And I don't deal well. And this is another thing that women don't do well with is confrontation. In confrontation, I shut down. And when people want to attack me personally, not the argument, I can have a debate with you where we have equal input. But what happened with my tribal council, and it was different to the next season, was everybody got up and they could do and say whatever they want to, to the point where the people on the jury were attacking one another. My wow. tribal council was three hours long. And I just sat there in a state of like vitriol being fired at me. Wow. And emotionally, I shut down. 
And what happened was because Tom is used to fighting, he's a bar brawler, guys. Yeah, the amount of fights that he's been in, he likes confrontation. What happened was everybody expected me to be here. I performed here and Tom just delivered bare minimum and that's all he had to do to he win. Delivered, and yeah, that's he delivered the expectation. so frustrating. Him, yeah. And, and again, it's, it's, it is real. Um, it's, it's very, very difficult to even convince the other woman on the jury that you are worthy of it. It's, it's a very, very complex issue. And again, a slice of what we see in real life. Especially, John, just to add to that, especially if you are not the usual kind of uh, Absolutely. Uh, figure, female figure. You know, if you're yep. somebody who, who doesn't really embody the traditional female gender role even absolutely more so. you, you have to i also think that that more. it 100% played a role and i wish that it had been brought up in the final tribal council because i know that it played a role because tom One, played 100% a- 100% cuz when i'm watching it john when i'm watching it i've seen this mm. edit of you you're an absolute fighter and if i'm judging it based on the tribal i'm looking at it and i'm going whoa what she lacked something what what is going on here this yeah. isn't the same so i'm like based on this performance alone you know, yeah. it, wasn't as, it wasn't as great as the expectation. So yeah. It was horrible to have to watch it as well. And it's really triggering. My girlfriend's father started watching it recently. And she sent me, she literally video called me at Final Tribal Council. And I'm watching myself shut down, um, which mm. is not something that I do, especially when it comes to verbal communication. That is one of my strengths. So watching myself shut down, and I just... Watching it was a hard thing to do because I knew that the editors had a problem because they had me going in as favorite to win. And during tribal council, so one of the things people come up to me and say is that, oh, you shouldn't have mentioned luck so much. But I probably mentioned luck three times in three hours, but they had to edit it to explain the votes because there's no other explanation. It came out of left field. And it's it's. It's hard to watch because I'm like, I, I'm very, it's very difficult for me to have a relationship with people on my season because I'm so bitter about that vote because of the expectations they had of me. And I remember going to coffee with Annalise a year later and she just said to me, I'm sorry, we didn't vote for you. Because what mm-hmm. happened was they saw the edits at home. They saw this, the full story mm-hmm. and they were like, Geez, she actually played a really good game. And that's, mm. that's the, the problem that you sit with as well. However, not, not to detract too much from... Uh, ter- I mean, you should have won the game. You didn't win the game. But it does gone. set the franchise off onto the next one. Now we've got an answer because of that. That craziness that happens. Absolutely. Absolutely mental. And now look at Survivor. Now we've got game players, people that are actually changing it up, people that are changing the narrative as to what the archetype for a lady, should, for a man should be. Marisha, strong, yeah. strong lady. And coming in there as the killer snake, the admirable snake, should I, should I add. Um, we, we do have a question. Nesu, would you come back for All Stars? Would you do that? Because uh, Matsubetsu has oh, put this yeah. out there like three or four times already. So would you? Yeah. It's, oh, it's yeah. 100%. I mean, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. I'm always up for a challenge. I feel like an all-star season will be a ramp up because of the fact that people have already seen your gameplay. So mm. either you have to decide to stick with your, your same <clears throat> gameplay and hope that you dupe people again, or you have to come up with something completely new. Um, but you also have people who've played the game before. 
and know what to expect. Mm. So the competitor in me is just like drooling <laughs> at the chance to, to go Fight. for an All-Stars. I would, I would 100%. There's no doubt about it. And I'm sure, Jean, for you, I, I, maybe I shouldn't speak on your behalf, but I'm pretty sure you've, you've got the same perspective. Uh, look, I've uh, we've had years to think about this. And uh, firstly, there's only Sorry, John, space for... John, before you answer the question, am I witnessing a future All-Star Alliance here? Is everyone else watching online getting excited about this prospect? Come on, come on, let us know. 100%, Sorry, 100%, 100%. <laughs> um, I have said that it's such a bad idea for me to go back just because of how traumatized I am after the show. And my journey is so different to everybody else's because I was supposed to win and I didn't. And mm. that trauma alone has like, it's completely bizarre. So I have to, so having to go back into the game and redo it is like, would I be able to outperform what I did before? But there's no part of me that can say no. <laughs> so that's the problem. <laughs> but now my therapist says to me, she's like, so she, she says, would you go back? And I'm like, um, yeah, no, it's not a great idea, but yes. She's like, well, at least you're already in therapy. So, <laughs> so I think yeah. um, all, all previous winners should be exempt of the show and they should just make it a redemption season. Let's let's do that mm. for all stars. Mm. Um, it's about that time. Okay, wait, whoa, whoa. Before we move on, uh, Francois Chapman's on the show. Mr. Chappie's himself saying, so, <laughs> You're one of the most beautiful souls he's come across. So that, that's a fantastic comment in, in light of what's happening here today. We're experiencing it firsthand uh, for those of you who are watching. But it is time for the Golden Sphere. And this is the moment Yay! in the show where we talk about the episode that aired last night. And we mention the names of the players who made the best moves. So we're going to give some nominations. We're going to say why we think they're deserving of this Golden Spear. And we're going to kick off with Anesu. Let's hear those names. Okay, so I would definitely nominate Kieran uh, for, for the Golden Spear. I think he, he played an excellent strategic game. I, I wouldn't have been able to fault his game. I, I can't fault his decisions mm -hmm. and all of the different conversations that he had. So I definitely feel like Kieran would be somebody that would stand out to me. And strangely enough, I think I'd also nominate Anela. Um, I think what Anela did was, you know, I, I'm not too sure whether it, it was the right thing for his gameplay, but I think it took courage for him to mm. decide to side with um, what was obviously a much closer duo. Um, and it took a lot of courage from him to do that, but he also needed to convince Nicole. Um, and I think that must have been a really hard sell for him to do. So those mm. are my two nominees for, for this episode. I nominate myself, but I went home. So, uh, <laughs> what can you? I mean, do? we we My do we do try we do try and avoid you know giving the person the wooden spoon for the person who's voted out. So I think it's worth mm -hmm. giving a shot. I mean, we can say it was admirable that you had to make the move. There's nothing else you could do. I mean, your failure was we know what the failure was. But yeah, Jean, who do you want to throw out there? So, um, it's kind of complicated because somebody that I thought had a really great episode was Nicole. Um, yeah. from from doing the only person to stand up and do that challenge against Chappies. I thought Nicole has actually, and again, under the radar, become somebody who you really have to watch at challenges. Yeah. Um, and I think that her putting her hand up and say, look, I don't feel comfortable to sit this out. I'm going to take on Chappies. And really the only person to stand up and do it amongst the strong people on the show. So, um but uh, she's also, mm, yeah, yeah, but I think she's also somebody for me who's a nomination for the wooden spoon too, because uh, just 
making, a, in my opinion, the wrong decision. But I would have liked to have actually seen the, the conversation between Smash and Nicole because I... Anyway. Um, and then actually somebody who I think also is getting the snake bad rap is Santuani. Santuani is playing a fierce game. And anybody who sits next to Santuani at the end of this show is going to have a hard time because she is consistently playing. And it comes across as flip-flopping, but that is a strategy in Survivor, whether you like it or not. Um, she is playing. She's got a game. She's doing it. She's sticking to it. And it's working. So she also managed to get herself to Immunity Island and the Idol. She did really well at that challenge, almost taking that out as well. So those would yeah. be my nominations. I like, I like, look, I think, Anessa, your, your shots are, they're great shots and they, they are virtual everyone to watch. And we know the game that Karen's been playing. It's been since the merge, I mean, since before merge, but it's really shining through right now. I think the Nicole shots I really like because I get this feeling from what we've seen is probably going to be the turning point in her game where, you know, mm. she's the only one stand up to Chappies. Now we're finally seeing, I mean, she gets criticized in the previous episode because of the, the reward decision taking uh, Renir and Amy along with her. So we're saying, oh, well, she can't be that strategic. But now finally we see a little bit more of that yes. side of the game. But to Jean's point, what many, what does Smash do to flip her? Because she seemed set in, it was set in stone that she was going with mm. you. But it is interesting from that perspective, I will say that. Uh, but it is, I think it's going to be a tough one. I think overall, just because I'm saying it's the, the Kylo Ren, uh, the Ray versus Kylo Ren, you know, you two, you and Kieran staring each other in the face type of thing. And that's what the, I mean, Tyson completely, he gets the edit where he's the power player here, but no, no powers comes from him at all. And I think from Kieran just edging you out in the scenario, I think maybe that's, that's who I would give it to, but I don't want to influence anyone. I'm going to count down to three. Or count down from three to one, and then you're gonna throw your golden spear. And noise effects are, or sound effects are encouraged. And the throw. Okay. Do we shout out uh, the person's name when we throw yes. a spear? Yes. Okay. You, you throw it. You go. Wah! And then you you okay. say the name. Okay. Three, two, one. Santoni. Karen. <laughs> no consensus yeah i love it i love it we, we don't agree with everything here we've got strong strong people on the show today and they're gonna give their opinions i love it right moving along wooden spoon if you agree or disagree just let us know in the comments time for the wooden spoon for the player who made the worst move throughout the episode and seeing as you started first last round and Jean, let us hear the names and also this is this is an educational process we we don't do this to bash the castaway but rather to inform yeah. the viewers as to what you can do to prevent the situation. Yeah, absolutely. I think everybody's playing really well um, this season. Um, the wooden spoons for me again come to the point where it reminded me of last season where they didn't take an opportunity to get Rob out. Um, and the Rob in this scenario is both Tyson and Kieran, the two of them. Because if they if they're allowed anywhere near the final it's it's game over for and whoever plays against them and the thing about it is they have to go together because they are equal hmm. um so for me the opportunity missed so my nominees are anella and nicole both of them because for me the argument to go to the other side was stronger than going with the three-headed snake and I would have loved to have known the inner workings of what 
made them go with let's, the super yeah, strong decision. But let's 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 unpack that. Let's let's think about that because Anela is saying Anela is saying if he goes with Anesu, the perception it's is it's it's Anesu. Yeah. If he helps flip on Anesu, you know it's, he gets the credit for this. Can can we unpack that a little bit and say why he's thinking this? I don't. Yeah, I thought that was honest. strange because in both scenarios, he's the swing vote. You know, it, it's, it's, uh, in both scenarios, he's essentially the swing vote. And whoever, whoever decides to put a name out there, like Kieran putting my name out there or me putting Tyson's name out there, is, is still the director of the vote. So, mm. I, yeah, I found that interesting that he had that perspective. Possibly, maybe he felt like because him and I didn't have as deep a relationship as he did with Tyson and Kieran, that, you know, he'd be able to claim that it was less of a collaborative effort than, than yeah. claiming that when it came to Tyson and Kieran. But, yeah, I was quite floored by that reasoning. Uh, I also, there's problems with his reasoning as well, because I would think it would be stronger to send Kieran and Tyson to the jury because they would be able to identify the moment that he took to, to flip on them and to make that decision. They would look at that and go, actually, you get my vote because of that move that you did there. It's getting us out, breaking up the three. That would have been a stronger vote on the jury than now him playing on the bottom of their alliance, even though they're promising him an in, which I believe that they might be true to because they don't want to sit next to Wadler. So uh, I just think it was I mean, a missed opportunity. Like, I mean, the only like, way I'm rationing, yeah. Sorry, sorry, yeah. Go ahead. It just, it just presented itself with all the advantages that could have been played. Not, It just didn't work out. And that is going down to convincing Chappies and and Santuani and Anesu and having proper conversations and working that relationship to make them know that that vote is going to happen. It, it just was a missed opportunity for me to break up that three. That's why I mean, Nicole and Anela I mean, I, are I was just as flawed as the two of you. And when I'm trying to put myself in Anela's shoes, the only thing I can do is, and I'm looking at this and I'm saying, from that comment, yeah, he gets promised final three. So that's something to work with. Okay, maybe he can cause some chaos there when he brings Nicole with him. But the argument is that we know that the three-headed the three headed snakes, snakes, so to speak, are in firm control here. And mm. they were gunning me, which uh, I'm being Anela in this situation. And if, an, if Anesu comes in and manages to pull this blind side out, it's her who changes the game as opposed to me surviving the game because I was on the bottom of the list. If that makes mm. sense, I think that's the only reasoning I can I can fathom. Being like, this is why he's saying this, but but that's I mean I, we don't know. We're gonna have to. And again, he he way. may change his idea when he watches it on TV. Going, oh, I wasn't. Oh, I didn't make any of the decisions. So we're again getting the full picture, whereas he's only yeah. getting two but, different coin, two different sides of a coin to flip. So exactly, but the, from the jury's yeah. perspective, he they survive somehow. They survive, and it's clearly. Yeah in his workings of the relationship with the three-headed snake yeah. So like that's that's maybe in his, his mind. Okay. But so we've got that name. Any Anessa, who, who do you want to say? Yeah, um I I also found that Wada's uh, gameplay was interesting in this episode where you know mm. we we get a glimpse into the dynamics of the three-headed snake where she I mean that conversation with her and Kieran was right before tribal and I would have been quite uneasy let's put it that way if right before tribal my alliance were telling me who to vote for 
And I was completely shocked by the name that they were throwing out there. So I would have thought that that would have made Warda question things a little bit about where she stood in that three-headed snake. You know, we start to see that that Tyson and Kieran kind of just see her as a number um, when mm. they're, they're now including Smash into their final three. So, yeah, I, I, I would have liked to see Warda questioning the dynamics of, of my vote out and, and where her mm. power lied in that decision. Yep. John? I, I agree with you. Um, and so, sometimes you have your head so... And again, it's a comfort thing. You get lulled into this comfort. The same thing happened with me, where the moment of clarity came when Tom said to me, Jean, they want you gone. You're not going to make it to the final. And I went, what are you talking about? That's not what they told me. And I was like, oh, wait, we're playing Survivor. Everybody's lying. <laughs> so I, I keep waiting for that like aha moment for what it did to go, oh, what am I doing? I can't beat them if I go to the final three anyway. So to be like miss diagnosing your own game in this threesome is very problematic. And for her to just not pull the trigger because she doesn't really have anything in a resume at the moment. She's been yeah. the third to the tripod. It's not, she hasn't been the boss of making any moves. Um, yeah. So I just, I, I keep hoping for like a come to Jesus moment where she gets slapped by somebody else to say, wake up girl, because this final three moment that you're that you're hoping for is not going to pan out well for you. Yeah, yeah. and uh, when I'm watching this, interesting because I I liked her journey, and I think this is the journey they're telling. I like the journey where she came from. She struggles. She gets to the top, and it's almost like this person is mm. from the bottom gets into that power seat, and now is getting blinded by the power and getting super complacent. And that's all that was written mm. on her forehead when I was watching it was complacency, complacency. And that, that's, for me, I think that's going to be ultimately probably the downfall in her game. So I would agree with both of you on that sentiment. Uh, I don't have much else to add to that. <laughs> but, oh, the funny thing is, the irony behind all of this is she keeps saying, we're never going to, what, we never discount anyone and eventually people are going to be cannibalizing. And the irony is that they throw her out of the, 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 the three exactly. in that conversation. And that's just fine. Mm. Well, yeah. I but also I don't know. It's such a complicated game because if you put Wired, if you vote Wired out, she ain't voting for you. Let me tell you that. And again, the reason why Kieran and Tyson have to go together because you've alienated Wired. Wired will be like, no vote. Goodbye. Burn the place down. <laughs> So they have to go together because if they break it up, what is going to be like, sorry, Tyson, sorry, Kieran, you're not getting my vote. It's, but wait, it's, both of you are very good social players. If we're looking in Kieran's eyes when he's promising Anella this final three spot, how sincere is it versus being a gameplay move? I, I would Kieran is it. saying what he needs to say in that moment. He will promise Agreed. final three spot to whoever he needs a vote from. Totally. I completely agree. I also think when, when people start talking to you about final three and, and plans to the end just before a vote, it's more likely that they're doing that to get your vote yeah. as opposed to them properly wanting that. I mean, our Destiny trio spoke about final three, but we spoke about that before the reward challenge, before the immunity challenge. We weren't trying to convince anybody mm -hmm. to do anything. So I definitely think Kieran was saying what he needed to to get Anela on his side for this specific vote. Yeah. We've got Francois Chappie again. 
is coming with the the he wants to nominate himself for the wooden spoon for not using the advantage to keep the lions safe. How do we feel about this? Typical chappies. Those aren't the rules, my bro. Yeah, yammer, Ochi, yammer. Right. On that note, I'm gonna count down, and you're gonna you're gonna whip out the wooden spoon, and we're gonna hear that name that you want to give the wooden spoon to. You. Three, two. One. Can we throw the wooden spoon? Sorry. Can oh, we throw no, the wooden spoon? I don't know. You can, you can slap it on the forehead. You can go quack, quack, quack. You can I don't know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. All right. No pressure. No pressure. But it has to be great. Three, <laughs> two, one. Adela. <laughs> oh, Nicole. I can't. Oh, it's too Jesus. difficult, this one. Okay. Again, not agreeing. I love this. This is the first panel I've got. They're just both accounts are not agreed upon. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Time for the storms brewing. This is where we look at the footage from the previous episode and we kind of say what we think is to come. And uh, Anesu says her best not to give any spoilers away and that's, that's where we're at. So let's hear it. What do we think is coming our way next episode? Oh, I think, I think this, the, the, the game's going to get darker. Um, I think I kind of brought mm. a little bit of the light, you know, encouraging people to stay present and things. So I think... Things are going to get a little bit more serious, a little bit darker. I also think now um, that the, the emotions that people have um, in the game is going to mean that, that, you know, choosing who you vote for is going to be more and more difficult, especially because you're putting somebody on the jury, um, but also because these relationships are so tight knit. So, mm. you know, uh, I, I didn't take it personally when I was cannibalized from the Vuna Alliance. But I yeah. think any other Vuna player, maybe say for, you know, Chappies or Santoni, I think that that would be a real blow to be, to be blindsided by, by somebody else, you know, in the game and things like that. Mm. Uh, even with Nicole and Anela, I think, you know, if, if we see something where for whatever reason they turn on each other emotionally, I think that would be really tough. Yeah. And the same with Chappies and Santoni. So... I think they're gonna, there's going to be a lot of drama. I think things are going to get a bit dark. Things are going to get a bit hectic and, and, and emotionally heavy. Yeah. But I'm so there for it. I'm there for all the drama. I, I, I'm keen <laughs> to see it. <laughs> yeah, look, these episodes, I keep hoping for like some kind of like, okay, unless you're being voted out, did come out of nowhere. But I keep hoping for this big moment where we take out the head. And... Um, is, who's the head in your mind right now? Is it Kieran or is it is it? No, Tyson? there's there's two people at the top. Yeah, there's two people. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, 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 it's a the Harry Potter dog, man. It's the Harry Potter dog. There's two heads, and they both bark, and they both bite, and they're equal. Um, uh, yeah, it's gonna get very interesting because I think there's like one more episode where they can play idols and advantages. So, um, it's gonna be. I don't know what's coming. I hope that the loose change players get together and realize that they are not in the plan for the final and they do something about it. And the loose change players being the two and the two, right? Nick, yeah. Nicole and Chappies Anella. And, 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 yeah, and Anella and Nicole. That they have the power. They literally have the power. Mm. Can they work together all, and all, use it? Yeah, that's a very good question. I want to ask the... the the fire idol. I want to ask that question. What do we think about the Ooh. construct? Of what do we think about the influence it's going to have in this game? And we love drama. How much drama is this thing going to bring? 
Yeah, that's an interesting one because I, I also feel like unlike the previous episode, we haven't really seen anybody's fire skills play a big role in the game. Mm. You know, Rob, fire was so paramount to Rob's game. So, you know, if you had a fire idol where Rob was competing against somebody else, you'd probably say, oh, Rob's going to take it. But mm. uh, yeah, with this idol saying that it's the it's the players with the two top votes, right? The, the, the players who yeah. receive the most numbers of votes go against each other. And I don't know how that would go, hey? That's going to be a nail-biter if that thing gets played. Um, I don't know how long we're going to see Immunity Island, um, you know, happening for. So, you mm. know, will someone be able to win that Fire Idol? What's going to happen with it? That's going to be really interesting. Yeah, yeah the more... John, I love, and- I love how you think about it. It's your turn and you're like, you know... I'm going to be pensive in this moment. You will look at no, it. No, it's, it's because it, it, thought, there's it. two sides to my brain. There's the player and then there's the viewer. And the viewer loves the twists and turns and the tied destinies. Yay, cool. But the player, I'm just like, oh, how much more can you try and play against all these twists and turns? So I, I don't know. Uh, it's. You know, sometimes we get these things introduced and they never actually come to fruition. And I'm kind of hoping like, oh, cool, that was a good idea. And then we never kind of see it happen because it's brutal when you are on the other end of it. So if you have sort of rested and you haven't really learned how to make fire, then you're in trouble. Although everybody should know how to make fire. So, Anessa, who who are the best? Oh, look at that. You got to know. You got to know how to use it, man. I mean, I would say it's pretty arbitrary to have in your house, except we do live in South Africa and we have a lot of load shedding. So credit to you, John. That's that's fantastic. No, because this is what got me into Survivor. I did a fire-making challenge in my backyard. Wow. And did you have the countdown? Yeah. Did, you should, did you do it against somebody? Yeah. Uh, no, I did it against the clock and it took me two minutes to make fire. Wow. Uh. Yeah. Look at that. So you get the, up the, for the fire, fire, fire. And item. the opening challenge in the season, I made fire to win like immunity for my tribe. So strategic, Wait, guys. Just one of many reasons be why ready. Uh, Jean was robbed. Uh, <laughs> from the people who are left in the game, who would you say is the best fire maker? Tyson, yeah, Tyson maintained the fire quite a lot um, mm. at our tribe, yeah. But remember, Chappies, um, Chappies yeah. actually won a fire challenge uh, mm. already within the game. So it, probably between the two of them, I would say. Mm. The other thing I wanted yeah, to add, be- Claudio, that we yes. know is, is coming is the auction because of Santoni's time at Immunity Island. And mm-hmm. I always love a survivor auction. You know, that was one thing where I was like, oh, I missed the auction. But I'm super excited to see what happens there. Yeah, and there'll be another advantage there as well. So there's a lot in the game besides strategy and stuff. <laughs> when is Thursday? <laughs> yeah. Like I love that. I'm going to quote that. There's a lot in the yeah. game besides strategy and stuff. I mean, there's auctions. There's a, yeah, I love that. Uh, yeah, auctions always, it's a good time because as a player and curious, you just missed out on this, Anesu, but if you were there and you did make it one episode longer or a couple of days longer and you're sitting in that auction, how much does, how much do you, does the inner person conflict sort of strategic moves versus personal gain in terms of just comfort? How much does, where would you be in that scenario? 
Yeah, you know, I, I'm willing to hedge my bets and kind of go for the more comfort option in things like what you saw with our immunity challenge, where, you know, you, you kind of feel like the, 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 um, the probability of you winning is, is lower than the probability of you losing. Is that I got completely lost in my probability talk, but I think you know what I mean. Um, probability. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. lost me as so, soon as you said that. <laughs> yeah, so I, I kind of feel like in that kind of scenario where, you know, you saw me giving up the chance to compete in the immunity challenge mm. and to get food, but that was because I knew that I probably wasn't going to win it. Whereas in an auction where it's almost guaranteed that there's going to be an advantage in that situation, I would hold out for the advantage. Hey, mm -hmm. I, I think in that situation, you, you don't have to beat anybody except, you know, having the most number of money. Um, sometimes it's a dud advantage. You know, we've seen it in previous seasons where you think it's an advantage and it ends up being nothing like that. But that's what I would be looking for. I'd be going for for a strategic move in the auction as opposed to, to pleasure or comfort. Is there p potential for the players to break the auction like the Americans did? Everyone just refusing to auction up until they wait for the advantage. Do we think we might see that? But there's, there's also these emotional toys because there's some people <laughs> who haven't had letters yeah. from home. And that is a, is a game changer. And if you're strong enough to sit through that... You could break it, but there's so many things that I promise you the, the, the pull of something that you haven't had for so long, whether it's a pizza oh or chicken, God. in my case, and fried chips, like everything that is in your brain, I'm definitely going to wait it out, just breaks. They break. It's such a fascinating thing. Yeah. The best way to describe it is like when I watch MasterChef on my couch, and I end up having to order like Uber Eats because of all the incredible <laughs> meals. Like, and that's on your couch when you've had a full belly of food, you're mm. comfortable and you've got food in the fridge. Now you can imagine yeah. the temptation of seeing an incredible meal in front of you when you're starving and hungry. It's so hard to say no to resist. And they honestly. also, they, they sneaky because they'll ask you in your confessionals, what are you missing most? Like what food are you missing most? And then lo and behold, it appears. Yep. These people are smart. And, and to the question that we have at the bottom, is it possible for a player to ease? We, we know the camera crew are listening to what you're saying during, obviously, confessionals. But is it possible for a player to hear you or eavesdrop during the confessionals? I think throughout the game, and at least this was my experience, you know, the crew try to interfere as little as possible. So they, they want the mechanics of the production to interfere as little as possible with the game. So I think every effort is made to make the game fair so that confessionals are a safe place for people to talk about their gameplay and things like that. And of course, anything is possible. I don't think, you know, the crew can also keep track of every single player and where they might be while someone's doing a confessional. But I think that they try very hard to make sure that that doesn't happen. Hmm. And they remove you from the game. So your camp is here. They will take you there to go and do a confessional. But sometimes I would be, I mean, one of the beaches that we landed up on was tiny, like mm. so small that they didn't have space. And it's a reason why it wasn't the merge beach because they were like, we can't do confessionals here. It's too small. And I am loud. And so sometimes the producers were like, just also, I couldn't whisper when people were trying to strategize with me. They were like, Don, must you be so loud? <laughs> so, yeah. 
And that's so in your future alliance, just please take note of this. Uh, this is what this is. I'm just giving you a piece. Yeah? Listen, I've learned. I've learned, guys. That. No, I will write it in the sand for you now. I've, I learned my lesson. Uh, I do want to ask in terms of seeing as we are on the confessional sort of moment, how much do they interact with you in terms of they're saying, okay, come follow us. And is there conversation that takes place in between or they strictly just keep quiet and they just go, cool, that side and you're quiet, you walk all the way there and then they shoot the confessional, they ask you one or two questions and they disappear or are you just going there and you're speaking like it's your diary session? I, I actually preferred not to, to talk to the crew before confessionals because I was also running through what I wanted to talk about in my mm. confessional. You know, I was thinking about what, what important points do I want to put across? What do I need to work through by speaking through it, through my confessional? So I kind of preferred, and, and maybe that was me. I, I was very much in my head. I was always thinking until they told me that they were ready to shoot it. Um, I didn't really have conversations with the crew very much at all, to be honest. So one of the things that they try and do is the only people that you have a relationship with is the producer. So there are a bunch of producers on the beach that are there to tell your story. So yeah. the relationship with a camera person, a, a mic person, sound, lighting, whatever it might be, they are told they're not allowed to talk to you at all. So the only person that you have this human contact with is the producer who sits with a notebook and says, can you take us through the challenge today? And basically you're narrating the story from that day. Um, and they do it with everybody. So your turn comes and off you go. Um, and then you come back and they're like, uh, Jean, your turn. Then you off you go and you come back. So it's not as if you like, oh, that person's going to talk to the camera by themselves. They're up to something. It's, they literally record everybody doing confessionals. You do about two or three a day. Um, and specifically, you do one after a challenge. You do one before tribal council. You'll do one at some point during the day. Um, so you're constantly going to talk to the camera. Um, but th there's no, like, personal – and this is where the paranoia starts to come in. And, and, and that's why I'm glad that you um, – I mean, I'm upset that you didn't make it further into the game. But there, there's a turning point in the game where the paranoia, in my case – got out of control and perhaps you have a better control over your mental space but I actually not I thought I had but the the paranoia set in that I started to question the producers <laughs> I was like you're yeah. playing it up against me and that is not a comfortable place to be in because they're the only people that you can trust in the game now I started to question whether they were playing me up against other people and that's 100% not the case Oh, so it's yeah 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 uh question from joseph saying i wondered whether camera people may help survivors with finding immunity idols by pointing the camera no. at the possible i don't even ever. think they know where they are i think very i think there's probably one person on the art department who will go and plant them they don't know the clues they don't know where they are they will just follow you if you're moving because there's a lot of sitting around doing nothing let me tell you that one episode is three days on Survivor. So you're seeing all the action, but there's a lot, especially at this point in the game, where there isn't even that much conversation because you know everybody's story. You're mentally fatigued. You're emotionally fatigued. And there's not much happening. So as soon as somebody moves to go and do something, a camera will follow them. Hmm. Yeah. How much can this be I used agree. to strategic advantage? In your game, if you can see, so I've got an alliance with you, Jean, 
uh nesu but you know I, i'm paranoid about you and you might be turning on me and you walk away but i know you're closer to nesu you go do your confessional and i'm like hey here's a gap for me to talk to nesu and try and change things up a bit how much does that happen i think every every player uses every opportunity that you can mm. so if you if you see that somebody's missing because they're going to harvest oysters going to fetch eggs or going to do a confessional regardless of what the reason is if that person is absent you're going to use it to your advantage if you're thinking strategically so i i definitely think that people notice when certain people aren't at camp aren't around the fire sometimes we see it when people are sleeping um and we see gameplay happening so yeah i think every well every good survivor player should be an opportunist um and and often people's absences are a great time to call, to, to 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 cause a little bit of chaos And again, everybody's yeah. absent at some point during the days. Yep. <laughs> Equally so as well. Yeah. And yeah. the only time they won't follow you is when you say, "I'm literally going to pee." You don't have, and then they'll be like, "Are you sure?" <laughs> yes. <laughs> you don't need to follow this cameraman <laughs> or woman. <laughs> um. Just so Tuttle's been making notes. I think a couple of people have been taking some interesting notes based on what you've given here. So thank you very much for that perspective. One last question before we move over to the final thoughts. Which pre-merge boot is most likely to win if things were different in both of your opinions? I'm going to go for Dino. Dino Red Riding Hood. Yo, um, Dino's name gets thrown out on the show. Like, I don't even try yeah. to do this. People just throw his name out. Why? why, why? No, I... Yeah, no, no. Dino, Dino had a really good handle on the game, and I think if he had disguised his fandom um, mm. as well as Renier had done, I think he would have gone a lot further. So that was and managed his paranoia. That got the best of him. Yes, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, I think Dino, Dino is actually a very likable guy. Um, I think he's he's he had a good social game in the sense that he did actually improve. on people's perspective on yes. him the further along that he got so he was mm -hmm. able to change people's views in terms of being able to trust him a bit more um but i think it was the start of his game that was just too damaging for him to get back from but i think if he had gotten to merge he was good at puzzles he surprised himself and and a lot of us actually with his physical abilities as well and of course we know he was strategic and he knew so much about the gameplay as well so definitely yeah. would put down Dino's name there Would you agree, John? Or do you have another name in mind? Yeah, Dino is definitely the reason why he didn't make it to merge because everybody knew all of these things. And he's, um, it would be like you landing up in Survivor because you've advertised your fandom. You know the game. Oh. You know, and and that's There's the same no thing. What's happening, John? Jacques also got into trouble because the two queens of Survivor. That's all this is. No, please, no, no, no. But the problem anybody. is. It's it's a double-edged sword because it it does give producers and they go oh this guy knows the game he's good at speaking he could, he would make like I would cast you because just there's a couple things that people look for when they cast can you narrate the story that's why Santoni gets so much airtime is because she's so good at narrating the storyline that's going on so can you speak to the camera can you be natural are you representing an archetype and do you play your, are you your character. I didn't go on and play the character. I am the character, and I'm always yeah. the character, whether you meet me in real life or on an island somewhere. And you have to identify your character and who you are and what you stand for, and then you must be that. So you can't, in your entry, go and say, "Oh, I'm this, this, this," and then they meet you in real life, and they're like, "No, you're none of those things." 
Um, anyway, that was a sidebar. But um, the so so advertising and doing these podcasts is great because you advertise your skills, but you also immediately put a target on your back. Mm, mm. Just FYI. So I, same thing with Jacques. The same thing happened. He was too much of a game player, and they were like, "Ah, oh, well, bye." Um, bye, Felicia. Yeah, yeah. I, I Felicia. That's my. <laughs> I also see that Miso Betso said that he'd, he'd also would have um, said Teresa, and Teresa that's my pick. Yeah, to, yeah. Teresa mm. similar to Dino in terms of her knowledge of the game and her strategy. Absolutely. But I find that Teresa struggled a little bit more than Dino with the social game. Social and game with the ability. Yeah. yeah. And you when know, you I, I've that. spoken a lot to Teresa. Sorry, um, yeah. just. And the one thing that I think surprised her, and again, it's something that you can never predict all of the elements in the game. And the one thing that surprised her was being on beaches with people who were so, who understood the world so differently to her. Um, and you mentioned the Afrikaans and the culture yeah. differences. And I think that that put a, a spanner in the wheel and clipped her, and she couldn't recover from it. Um, yeah, uh, she would be mine. Um, I just think that her 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 brain works. Even now, she'll message me and go, "Oh, this person." Um, she mentioned last week that Amy was one of the people who got voted out without ever having a vote against it. And I was like, "What?" She's like, "Yeah, I went out without ever having cast a vote." I was like, "She just has this way of consuming the game." And I characterize super fans as two ways. You're either a fan of the game, a super fan of the game, or you're a student of the game. And she's a student of the game. Of I the game. enjoy Survivor. Yeah. I get hooked by challenges and characters. I couldn't tell you who won all the I couldn't tell you where they went. I couldn't tell you a lot of stuff. But I enjoy Survivor. But some people consume it like that's that's their livelihood, man. And and she's just one of them. And Dino, the same. Yeah. 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 And uh, I think... To your point of Teresa, the incredible read on the game, incredible, incredible. And it was so just social dynamic, social dynamic that was troubling for her based on what we had spoken on previously. Now, yeah, and final I, thoughts. Oh, sorry, oh, so, no, 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 okay, no, go ahead. Oh, okay. If you've got time, I've got yeah. time. That's it's, at the end yeah. of the day, it's about you having time. If that's cool, awesome, go ahead. Awesome, <laughs> yeah. So, I, I actually had a really great relationship with Teresa, we, we got along a lot. Um, and and I think it was one of those sad situations once again where I felt like Teresa could have added so much value to my mm. Tyson and Kieran's game. And I, I kind of, you know, think back to her vote out and wonder if I hadn't have gone to Immunity Island, whether things would have been a bit different, whether I would have been able to bridge the gap between her and the boys a little bit. But I think that in terms of at least my gameplay, I really saw her as an asset. I thought mm. that she would have given me really good advice i felt like i could trust her um so i think she's a phenomenal player and yeah i just wanted to mention that because i think you know that that's some of the things that you don't really see um on, on the on the show you know we, we only get to see like john says a snip a little um small amount of, of what's shown and uh yeah i think she's she's an as she would have been an asset to any alliance and uh i think it's 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 a sad reality that people from face value, didn't value the, the her and what mm. she could bring to their alliances. Yeah, uh, I 100% agree. And for me, seeing Teresa, her character, 
on the TV, on Survivor, I was like, we've never seen this person really on Survivor sad. before. And just understanding the game and the human element, but just not... One of, the, she, one of the things she told me is that when she first got there, somebody said to her, oh, you speak very well. And that kind of thing slaps you, right? Because you live in this world where you have your friends, you have your family, and that doesn't happen to you in real life. It may happen behind your back, but nobody says that to you. And now you're on an island with people who you need to engage with, and those are like the opening words. And you realize that there are a bunch of people here that you will never relate to in that way. So yeah. I think she kind of found herself side, like side swiped by something she didn't expect to happen. So yeah, very sad. I hate it. That was my worst vote out. I was like, yeah. Uh, she brought so much yeah. joy up to that moment with the twinkling so of her toes in the stand. And you know, <laughs> it just shows you how testament the, or how, immer sorry, how immersive the show actually is in terms of you think you're going to play a game of chess. You're going to use people as chess pieces, but what they say and do to you kind of affects your decisions, which is pretty, pretty interesting. That is also a yeah, partnership I, always... I wish I would have, I could have seen. Sorry, Anissa. Yeah, and I, I always, my favorite saying now when something doesn't go my way is like, oh my heck. There's <laughs> <It was> that <laughs> confessional from Teresa saying that. I absolutely love that saying. And yeah, mm. she was an icon in her own right, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I do wish that she partnered or Dino partnered up with her, the two of them, seeing as those are the two names that everyone's throwing at you. That, that was an opportunity missed, in my opinion. Mm. But. Final thoughts, ladies. I'm just super glad. My final thoughts, I'm just going to open up because I normally don't do this, but I'm super excited. I've got two Survivor Queens on here. And, I mean, congratulations on being um, crowned here, Nesu. And I, I put out the tweet. People agree with the sentiment. We know Jean's the queen, the, the queen that was robbed. You're the queen that, you know, can climb the ladder next time a bit further with Jean in the, the all-star season. But final thoughts from the two of you ladies. Yeah, I, I just think it's super epic that I'm, ending off my day talking about the, the politics of gender and race and, you know, our society and privilege. I mean, that's, that's right up my alley. And I think yeah. especially for, for Survivor South Africa, you can't watch the game without taking into account the social dynamics that we have as a society and race, culture, language, gender, yeah. all play a role. And Jean, honestly, to be able to share this is my mm -hmm. my last, you know, exit interview with you. It, it's it's like <coughs> I, I have so many <coughs> and you, Claudia, and you, Claudia. And don't you, worry, you you also great, Claudia, 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 Claudia. Of course, yeah. No, sorry, I ruined. I stole. I completely hijacked Jean's moment. Just like what's his name did the other guy that won. No, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go go ahead and hit you. Go ahead. Yeah, but <laughs> but really, I think. To spend, to spend this evening with you guys is like I've got so many cherries on the top of my cake. It's like mm. bursting with cherries on the top. But this is just, I don't know, whether it's icing, casting sugar. I'm not a baker, but <laughs> you know what I'm saying. It's, yeah. it's, this has been so awesome. Thank you so much, Claudio. And I, I think it's fate, Jean, that you know I got to talk yeah. to you um, and have this conversation. I'm just so grateful. No, look, um, I, I there are a lot of people that I've connected with from your season um, who I've literally on that kind of level really had like made relationships with. 
Um, and so it's an absolute privilege. And I was gutted. And people were swimming after the episode, like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, I'm upset now. I'm upset. Um, because I, I, I always thought that Kieran and Tyson would win the game. And in the last couple episodes, I've been like, actually, Anesu's got something here. Um, so I was kind of heartbroken there. But um, no, it's been an absolute privilege to to chat to you. And um, I just love, you're very different to me, but the way that you see the world and engage and the energies and, and your mindfulness. And I just think there's so much to learn from you in, in the way that you move through the world. So I'm um, absolutely privileged to to chat to you. And I am so excited about this season. I just really, really, really hope somebody makes a move. Because otherwise we're going to have the predictable winners. Yeah. Is, it's not terrible, but as somebody watching, I'm just like, take the opportunity, please. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, I, I think just... it's going to be epic. You know, I, I'm not giving, I've been, I think I've done a pretty good job of not giving away any spoilers. It's I've made it no, seem you've like done I don't well. know what's yeah. going on, but it's going to be <laughs> epic. Stay tuned, guys. Uh, it's yeah. it's going to be a wild ride. Yeah. And on that note, we might always end off with one last comment from Joseph saying, thank you, Anessa, for taking the time, answering our questions. You're so articulate, smart, beautiful, and such an awesome Survivor player to watch on TV. I mean, who gets that comment just thrown out there? <laughs> like Amazing. I said, if thank there was any so player much. that would have gotten voted off the island in the, the fashion that they went out, I probably would have chosen your story, personally speaking. I don't know about you, John, mm, if yeah. you would have done the same thing. Oh, I, I I don't know how she can be so diplomatic about it. I'd be pissed, but I'm glad that she. I'm glad as a survivor player that she sees that. Oh no, I got blindsided. That's great. I don't know how I would have taken being voted off. I would have flipped the table or something. I don't know. And that's why you're Jean and I'm Anessu, right? Exactly. Exactly. That's why it is. Hundred percent. Amazing. I'm just super, super glad that TNO could be the catalyst to this future alliance on the All Star season. So shout out <laughs> you're, to that, and that's how I'm going to end off. Claudio, you're <laughs> <laughs> to all the viewers that tuned in. <laughs> and yeah, and that means a lot coming from the plant person. And, and you know, I can't believe I haven't mentioned anything about plants up until this moment in time. You must see my garden at home, by the way. Anyway, oh, no. Joseph Tattoo. <laughs> Uh, Metsovetsu, uh, I think I butchered Chappies. it. Chappies. Thank Hilchard. you so much, Chris. Hilchard, Hilchard, always. Yeah, thank you very much. And I normally have a saying on my other shows, but I'm just going to end off with this one. If you don't know what to be, be cool. Have a fantastic evening. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Uh,